The following is a presentation of the Wide Open Mic Podcast Network. For information on this and other podcasts, please go to www.wideopenmic.net. Welcome to Snap, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I am Gunner. Back again with me is the great Tom Angelopoulos. Um, I'm here for the second week of my unpaid internship. Yes. Well, let's give full disclosure out. Chris King is still out being a dad. And when your co-host is actually a manager of HR, you have to cross your T's and dot your lowercase J's. Wayne's World 2 joke. Those that, that got it. No. I didn't even get that one. That was Wayne's World 2. Wayne's World 2. Not even a Wayne's World 1 joke. A Wayne's World 2 joke. All uh, right. So, uh, Tommy, just before we dive into this, man, what quickly, what do you think of episode two? Of what if? I enjoyed it quite a bit. I enjoyed it more than the first one because, not that I didn't enjoy the first one, I enjoyed it more because there were more characters. They did a good job of fitting in a lot of stuff into a small window, which honestly, though, you couldn't do that with the first episode. They didn't have enough characters in that world to to make it interesting. I think think they did a good job of squeezing in every single character. And they even pulled from the agent Carter miniseries or series. that was supposed to be a series. Um, So they did everything they could, but they were just kind of their hands were tied. All right, well, let's dive into episode two. What if T'Challa became star Lord? This was a star Lord. -Lord. Sorry. I apologize. Um, and it was written by Steven Gerber and directed by Brian Andrews. It dropped on Disney Plus on Wednesday. August Wednesday, August 18th or 19th. And I stopped because it said 11th and I didn't think that was right. And I quickly <laughs> looked to make sure that that was not right. And it's not. Uh, I believe that was the 19th. production here, Gunner. Yes. First rate. We're keeping it real. And uh, it starred, once again, Jeffrey Wright as Iatu the Watcher. And then repraising their roles from the MCU, you had Chad, ton of people, tons of in. Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. Michael Rooker as Yondu. Uh, Demon Hanzu as Korath. Uh, Karen Nebula as, Karen Gillian as Nebula. Josh Brolin as Thanos. Sean Gunn as Craig. Hey, don't, 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 don't spoil it, dude. Oh, you don't want to go through all the people? Well, you can, but I mean, that was one of the big reveals. Well, anyway. the bigger reveal to me was uh, Kurt Russell's ego. I saw that in the opening credits, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm just going to go through. Or we've gone too far. Sean Gunn as Craglin, Chris Sullivan as <laughs> Taserface, Benicio Del Toro as The Collector, uh, Seth Green as Howard the Duck, Carrie Coon as Proxima Midnight, John Connie as T'Chaka, Ophelia Lavibond as Kadina, uh, yep. Denai Garrar as Oki, uh, Okoye, and Kurt Russell as Ego. Uh, and then also we had Fred Tatsukori, who I've actually heard of. This guy's done everything. Look him up. He was Drax and Corvus Glaive, and Tom Von Lawler as Ebony Maw. And then there was that one female Ravenger who just yeah, shows I- up. 
uh, I, I, I want to talk about that. Actually, Tanya Wheel, Wheellock was her name. We'll get. Uh, yeah, we'll, let's talk about that. Well, you want to talk about her when they get to the bar on the in in the show? Yeah, or? yeah. Well, when we get there, we'll talk about that. I have something to say about it. And my first notes in this whole episode is opening credits spoil the ego cameo at the end. That kind of yeah disappointed me. But uh, yeah, I you know what? I think I'm going to hit skip and not see the opening credits the first time. Because yeah, it did spoil a lot for me. And even of the if you go on Disney Plus and it shows you like a screen of the episode, but it also shows like other stuff in the background, like you saw T'Challa, Star Lord up front, and then you saw a couple other characters in the background. And then in what I saw, I saw Gamora with Thanos armor and his double-edged sword staff thingy that he had in Endgame. The homage to the Thanos copter? Their their way of getting the Thanos copter in Endgame? Right, exactly. But I thought that was odd that they would do that because they never talked about her. And there was also, I believe, Vision as Ultron. They had Vision's face. Like well, there is, I, I was reading a description of the episodes and one of them, uh, one of the episodes, the description was Ultron, Ultron vision and the infinity saga or something like that. So that's probably yeah. what that's from. But for the, uh, the more, I guess, casual fans. I don't like that they did that. Yeah, I like yeah. to be a little bit more surprised. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I'm going to start doing that going forward. So, yeah. So let's just jump into this, man. We open on on Morag, and like the opening of Guardians, um, Korath walks in. Uh, he's there to stop Star Lord, but when he reveals his face, Korath instantly recognizes him. Tom, let me start off by asking you a question: Why Korath? Is it just that Hanzu's like a big actor, big time actor? Or do you think there was other reasons? Because he was kind of outside of uh, T'Challa and Yandu. I'd say Korath was the third biggest part in this episode, wouldn't you? Yes. Um, could be because, like you mentioned, he's a bigger star. He's a big star. He has been in uh, two different Marvel movies. Because right. he was in uh, uh, Captain Marvel as well. In Captain Marvel as well. Um I don't know why they gave him a lot of lines and they they gave the people whose characters switched a bunch a lot of lines. Yeah, I've noticed. Like Korath and like some other characters, which we'll talk about, which you already spoiled uh, later. So I think that's just a reason because it, it just shows the contrast of, okay, this is not the same. Do you think anyone's listening to our podcast and hasn't seen the episode? Uh, probably not. <laughs> so really, <we're laughs> yeah, not like like it. Thanos, they gave Thanos a lot of lines. Um, they gave Thanos was by far my favorite part of this episode. He was great. Yeah. He was great. It was and Josh Brolin did a good job. Like a couple of the other actors, you know, they're they're not taking that serious. They're like, okay, you're gonna be here for three hours, record these lines in between whatever else you're doing. But yeah, Josh Brolin really got into it and. You could tell just the way his voice inflections were. Yeah. You could tell that this is a different Thanos. It wasn't the same 
the angry Thanos, um, or I don't know about angry, but the fed up, frustrated Thanos um, that you saw in Infinity War and Endgame. You saw a much more loosened, lighthearted uh, Thanos, which I thought was fun. I mean, Demon Hanzu Korath as well was so different. Did it take yeah, you out of it? Let's talk about him. Let's, no, I don't think so, because this is what I thought about, a couple of notes that I took. So, one, when uh, I kind of compared when, when T'Challa did his reveal, to reveal that's T'Challa and not Peter Quill, I likened that to do a, like a Jedi hood reveal that every Star Wars movie has. Right, where the Jedi's have to take their hood off and reveal their face. So I thought that was funny. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Korath actually knows who Star Lord is because Star Lord is actually pretty famous, and he was super duper excited to to meet him. Um, the thing is here, Korath references his boss. He's like, "Oh, I have to do this, or my boss will get." Oh, angry. he said his boss. He said his boss's name. He did. Yeah. When. At that scene, he's like, uh, my boss, uh, Ronan. Oh, maybe I just missed it. I watched it three times. So it is Ronan. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know. Unless in my mind, case? I was just assuming it was Ronan because I love Lee Pace. I like Ronan in these movies. He's great. Yeah. My wife really loves Lee Pace. Um, and she mentions that quite often because um, she he played this character in Pushing I don't even know the name of the show. Pushing Daisies? Pushing Daisies, yes. That was a great show. I liked that show and a lot. I, I, I tried watching it with her, and I was like, no, I just can't get into it. But yeah, she loves Lee Pate. Um And Tom Hiddleston, so she kind of has a type. So I would um, worry more about Tom Hiddleston than Lee Pace. I'm just thinking. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. I, I think I have to go back and to see if he actually mentioned Ronan or not. I thought he, or if he did. just said my boss. Um, because I looked at him and he wasn't wearing a uniform when he was with Ronan. He was still part of the like the Cree army or the the Cree separatists. I don't know if you want to call them separatists, but like the Cree militant branch. Yeah, they had a, they, they had a name. Of. I'm trying to remember what they were called. I, I don't remember that. I'd have to look it up. But but Korath was not wearing any of that. He was just wearing, like, I don't know, stuff he found in his closet. So that's why I found he didn't wear any type of uniform. But, but the guys he was with, the Sakaran, I actually had to look that up. Uh, they were all in their uniforms, right? And they had their helmets and equipment. And, and they were the same weapons. army that Loki invaded Earth with. Correct. Yes. Or supposedly. Uh, no, no, no. That the, the, the he invaded Earth with the. Um, oh wait, Sakarans. That's who yeah, Sakarans. Oh, yeah, so, so that's from Ragnarok. Right. Exactly. That's from Ragnarok. Interesting. Oh my God, why really? can't I remember who? It's going to come to me later. I'll come back to it. <laughs> so, uh, Chitauri. Shatari, there you go. I assume they were Shatari, but you're right. They, I looked it up in the, on the wiki page. It's called they were called the Sakaran. Wow, and that makes I, sense because, um, and not to spoil it, but there was a bunch of Ragnarok stuff in the collector's vault. Yes, and I guess the There's collector a lot, a lot of and stuff the uh, grand 
Grandmaster Grand brother. Brothers. And um, have you been to the reskinning of the uh, Tower of Terror? I have not. No. So I, it's either at Disneyland or it's in Disney World Paris. I can't remember which one it was at. But they reskinned it, and you go in line, and they they have stuff. The Grandmaster is in there, and you're supposedly walking through, um, which sucks because that was the the one ride that we used our fast pass, so we didn't get to walk around and see it. But I think you're like supposedly inside the collector's vault. I think that's the whole premise of it. Is your in- oh that'd so, be cool yeah. So that must have been Europe because you've I'm sure you've been to Disneyland since you live in. I have not actually ever. Uh, not di- I've been to Disney World in Orlando, but I've never been to Disneyland here in uh, in California. Your wife went when I was in San Diego. Yeah, she went. Uh, that's where she wanted to go for a bachelorette party. Um, so yeah, she went. But she so then it might be in Disneyland. Them. I don't know because Disneyland has Marvel. Yes, they, they do. I think it's east of the Mississippi. Uh, Universal still has the rights to Marvel for the next yeah, like two years I, or something. I think maybe sometime next year yeah. I'll take my kids there. Because right now, if it's anything longer than two hours, then they become giant pains. Mm. Um, okay, they start off as regular pains, then they become giant pains <laughs> at that point after two hours. So. The, the biggest tantrum my son ever had his whole life was the weekend of your wedding when we went to Disneyland and they had the Darth Vader thing where the kids can lightsaber fight Darth Vader. Right. And Davin didn't understand why he couldn't go. And he, he started flipping out and Darth Vader walked away and he didn't get his chance. And like, we literally had to pick him up and walk to the other side of the park before he calmed down. Yeah. And he was little at your wedding. Yeah, it was three years old. Right. Dancing in the middle of with your all of your Greek relatives. It was kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Good old back days. to. Back to. Uh, yes. And he he kind of did a, a funny callback to Infinity War. Uh, with the bowing? Or right. <laughs> the kneeling? Bowing, yeah, I, like that. I put that in my notes. No, no, no. That's not necessary. So that was fun. And I liked uh, how how they justified that joke was star Lord. Like, Oh, you're a Lord. Right. You know, you're this great <laughs> like Robin was, Leach type character. I mean, Robin hood type character. Right. It's because he was given that name rather than giving it to himself. Yeah. Cause yeah. he earned it rather than just giving it to himself, which I'll get more into later when we get further along, because that is a running theme throughout this episode where T'Challa is a diff- very different type of character, very different type of person than Peter Quill. So let's uh, about yeah, as different as two bit. characters can get. Right. So, um, so I got. Uh, let's see. Let's jump back in. Uh, so they start fighting. They, yep. They started in Yandu. Uh, so he Korath gets knocked out, and he picks him up, and he decides to add him to the to the troop. Or to the group, and he does the whole a eh, Ravenger, a eh, Ravenger never f- was it fights alone or whatever the I don't even remember what the line I just watched oh, it. Solo. oh yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the 
what Yakatura arrow is that what it's called comes in and kills everyone. So, yeah, and basically turns them all into shish kebabs into souvlaki. Um, but one thing that stood out to me when Korra and T'Challa were fighting is T'Challa was really agile. And then picking up Korath so easily, he was really strong. So I started thinking to myself, is this like in the first episode with Peggy, who just was much bigger and stronger, faster, and more agile than Steve ever was in the live action? Is it just a, an artifact of it being animation? Or is T'Challa superpowered in some way? Or maybe not superpowered, but enhanced. That's what made me think, like, what's happened? That was my first indication. Uh, there's others later, but that was the first time I said, huh, what's happening? Because he just, it just was more than what you would expect it. Uh, yeah, like, the- is a Cree, and the Cree are much, just naturally much bigger, stronger, faster than human from Earth. So, but T'Challa just had no problem. He was yeah. also a Cree who was starstruck. I, I guess that's true, yeah. Um, but still, it's there are others, other evidence of that later I mean, on in the episode. He's in his sixties. If Dennis Lawson came in and and uh, and I started fist fighting him, I don't think I'd make contact with him at all. I'd be in <laughs> awe. I'd be like, "Oh, it's Dennis Lawson." Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you something, Tom. Um, you know, at one point, uh, Yandu says, "Ah, oh, man, we should." Too bad this isn't the old days. We can go ahead and sell the orb. Does he know? Do they know that it houses an infinity stone? That, that's a good question. They mention how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. And they mention how and, much good it can do. Right, how much good it can do. It can you know, revive a, a dying planet. So it's... I don't know. That's a very good question. Um... And what's even more interesting is T'Challa's response. So this is where you start seeing a very different divergence of what Peter Quill was and what T'Challa is. Where T'Challa is altruistic and noble and just very different than Peter Quill. Um, I will call this, because I'll use this multiple times, I'll call this A-N-D, altruistic, noble, and different. And you start to understand then, okay, he makes a decision, no, we're going to use this for good, we're not just going to sell it to the highest bidder, we're not pirates. Like, the Ravagers here aren't pirates. They are, I don't know, as mentioned later in the episode, more like Robin Hood-type characters, where they are working to help people rather than just take and be selfish. And it's all because of T'Challa, because this little boy uh, who was you know, 10, 12 years old, however old he was, when he got taken, he was able to convince Yondu and the other Ravagers, and up and including Thanos, that being altruistic and noble is a better path rather than where, you know, Peter and Yondu did not always see eye to eye and they always were backstabbing each other uh, because they were always 
doing whatever was the selfish thing. So I found that just even at the beginning, early scene, very interesting and very different. Yes, very, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, and then a cool thing I saw that I liked was as they were leaving, the ship was called the Mandela and not the Milano or the Benatar. I thought that was cool. Correct. I mean, yes. I don't recall the Milano or the Benatar having the name Milano or Benatar written on the side. They did it on purpose to stand out on a channel, YouTube channel that um, I watched. It mentioned that meant the, the Wakanda language was based on, I think it's Hossa, which is the language spoken of the tribe Nelson Mandela was part of or was born into. Uh, in South Africa. So that's where this Wakanda language, that's its roots of it. Oh, that's Obviously cool. it was modified. And so I know Mandela appeared in Loki, one of his quotes when yes, the final exactly. episode, that, they, that was cool. So. Yeah. So it all kind of tying it together, which is, yeah, it goes to show that I don't think those are coincidences. It goes to show that at Marvel, they get all the writers for everyone, for all the shows in a room together so they could roadmap things out and it's like oh we're going to mention this it's like oh that's cool then i'm going to do this and then they all kind of build off each other i don't i don't know if they 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 do treat it like that i'm sure they do but i think the big thing is just kevin feige he's not sitting back and collecting a paycheck he is heavily involved right. every step of the way on right. all these projects he doesn't take projects off so I, I and I think that's a difference between, you know, him and Kathy Kennedy and whoever the heck is running the mess that's DC. Um, I mean, <laughs> he is he's the producer of those films. Like he is the number one guy. He's running all these movies like their TV shows, which is cool. Yeah, there it's like a series, a really long, ongoing series. And I think that's why I love these so much. And that's like what, what got me into it was, you know, I didn't, like we said before, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of phase one at all, really. Um, I mean, a couple movies kind of stood out. A couple of them I thought were turd nuggets, but it wasn't until the first movie that really got me into it was Winter Soldier. Yeah. And part of the reason why was it made sense why the people that were in it were in it. Of course, Natasha had to be in it. That was her job. Her and Steve were the big shield agents. That made complete sense. Iron Man 3, it kind of bothered me a little. Like, okay, well, all this stuff's going on. How come Steve and Natasha weren't there? You know what I mean? Like, it Yeah, that's the hard part. If you keep wondering... Where were these other people? Like even uh, they're going to do some, you know, timeline shenanigans to say, okay, in the Battle of New York, where were you know these other people that could have helped? The Eternals. Right? I mean, that's I'm sure that'll be answered. Which, well, by the way, you uh, saw the trailer, right? You know, the trailer they answered that question. Was, yeah, like, but they don't answer it properly because th they say we can only interfere when deviants are involved, and Thanos is a deviant. So why? Well, well <laughs> he's in, he's actually an eternal with a deviant G, which makes him a deviant. Well, I'm sure we'll find all this out next month. Yeah, we're gonna find out. Wait, is in, that in, is that in November? 
Is that next one? I get that and Shang Chi. Which one comes it'll up? Change it. Which I mean, which one is next? Shang Chi or Eternals? Shang Chi, yes. And I already got got my tickets for that. I'm gonna see it Friday morning. Oh, is it coming out this weekend? Next weekend. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm gonna go see it right away. That's my thing. I'm gonna take like lunch time, take an extended lunch, and go see the movie ah, okay. because I can't wait, and I'm a nerd. I've been seeing it on Thursday. Because here, I don't know, I'm sure they do it there too, but here they show them Thursday the night before now at 7 p.m. Yeah. Oh, no, they don't do it that early. And plus, they used to do midnight and I would fall asleep during all of them. And then (laughs) for whatever reason, they started doing it like 7 p.m. Yeah, they want to get that extra money, right? Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, no, I can't do it late at night. That's just harder for me. I've so, still not made it through Wonder Woman without falling asleep. I've tried three times. I fall asleep every really? time. I don't know. I liked it. I really liked that movie. I've seen the whole movie in bits and pieces because I've fallen asleep in this part, but seen it the second time, but fallen asleep there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand. Second Wonder Woman. Don't get me started. All right. So let's flash back to Wakanda 1988 and T'Chaka yep. tells T'Challa that he has the heart of an explorer and that he shouldn't leave Wakanda because all he find all he'll find is destruction and pain. So T'Challa throws his spear out of Wakanda and he's abducted by Kraglin and Taserface, who have kidnapped the wrong guy. So yeah, let's back up a second a few seconds there. Um, so a couple of things. It's what I wrote is that yes, T'Challa craves exploration. He lives, think about where T'Challa lives and who T'Challa is in his life. He is a prince of a kingdom of, of a very advanced civilization. And he has a very strong father and mother. His father's the king, his mother's the queen. They're both very strong characters that we, that we saw in Black Panther. Um, and the Wakandan culture is that one of sharing and working together and prosperity. They don't have a lot of struggle in Wakanda. And since T'Challa has never left, he's never seen the struggle. But T'Chaka has. He's seen. That's why he's telling them, you know, there's nothing good out there. It's all just fighting, etc. So, so was the beginning of Black Panther, wasn't that also in 1988? Or was that 1992? Was that a little later? I think it was a little later in the 90s. All right. um, and so I mentioned that about uh, T'Challa growing up with, he's, he's very bright, obviously a very smart kid, but he won't, he craves adventure because he wants to see more just like any kid, right? You, well, most kids, they want to get out and see more. They're curious. They're, they want to explore. And T'Chaka was uh, being a reasonable dad and saying, why would you want to do that? Uh, you're safe here. He was trying to protect his son. And that also goes back to the differences between T'Challa and Peter Quill. So I described how T'Challa grew up. Now let's talk about Peter Quill at that same time. Peter Quill had a deadbeat um, celestial father who didn't even pay child support. He had to watch his mom slowly die because ego 
I don't know if you want to call it poison her, but he, like he did all his other mates or whatever, incubators, um, he made him die because he didn't want any evidence or whatever it is that he didn't want. So very, very different upbringing where T'Challa didn't struggle at all. Can I ask you a quick Meredith Quill question that's 150% off topic? Yeah, go ahead. Does it take you out of it that they cast that same actress in Captain America? No. Do you think there was a reason for that? I think that's just happens, damn thing. Um, I don't know. She was just like a almost like a cameo in both, right? So it's uh, like, could she? Have, don't, could she be the same person? And yeah, she just had extended like that, life right? because she's yeah. I know that's what I'm saying. They don't do things like that. They're huh. way more careful. Right. And we know that Peter is special, and he was the only one that survived out of all of Ego's. Could it be that his mom was an Eternal or something? Huh. Now you're getting someone, Gunner. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. All right. Back. Never thought of that, but okay. Back to Black yeah. Panther. I apologize. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up and- Meredith Quill, and I just had to ask. So, yeah, those are the huge differences between the two and how they contrasted, where Peter Quill grew up with a lot of heartache, a lot of hardship, and without a strong father. I don't know if his mother, Meredith Quill, was strong or she was a hippie chick, right? I'm not saying that hippies can't be strong, but stereotypically, hippie chicks are like, oh, let's just groove, right? Or as Cartman says, all they do is smoke pot and smell bad, um, which is one of my favorite lines ever in uh, in South Park. So that they keep doing this, they keep showing us differences between Peter Quill and T'Challa. Whereas in episode one, they were showing a lot of Peggy had all the same traits or a lot of the same traits that were very similar to Steve Rogers were here. They're showing how completely different two characters were and how they affect their universe. And I mean, Where if you look at what happened with Peggy and Steve, they just sort of swap places and they ended up having sort of the same outcome. Yeah. Whereas in episode two, T'Challa changes the course of all these other characters. It changes the course of the galaxy. We have different power structures within the galaxy. Now, now could um, it be that Peter Quill had no father figure? So when Yandu's people abducted him, he gravitated towards his new father figure and led a life more like his father figure. Whereas T'Challa had a very strong father figure. So, when he becomes abducted, he kind of becomes the father figure to this crew. Exactly. It's uh welcome to the armchair psychologist Monday morning quarterback that we're doing. It's uh, <laughs> it's exactly what I was going down the same way. It's just that he had a family structure. He knew what a, he knew what a family should have been like, and he wasn't a damaged he didn't have psychological trauma like 
Peter Quill did. So Peter Quill became, like you mentioned, more of his surroundings where T'Challa was able to influence his surroundings to make it better. So, so, last question before we move on. Why Taserface? Was it just because Chris Sullivan is amazing and they just wanted him back? I think so. I think this is funny. They didn't have to have him. No. They didn't need him. And he really didn't do much. But right. I, Chris Sullivan is so great in everything he ever does. And from what I've heard, is possibly the nicest person in the world. A friend of mine was did a play with him or something. And he said, literally like he's like super famous now. And he's just like a normal guy. Like he's just, and that's, I, that's why I think they brought him back. Cause he's awesome. Oh yeah. That too. Um, or because yeah, he's just, the producers liked him. So they brought him in. Okay. Yeah. He didn't know, have to yeah, be there. Was- if he wasn't in this episode, Craglin could have handled both parts. Uh, but I just think it was good seeing Taser face again. Yeah. And again, another character that has grown, you know, he's different. I don't, I really don't feel Craglin was much different. Um, Craglin is kind of a hanger on her, you right. know, um, Yandu. I mean, did you know, think Yandu was much different? Well, I, I thought it was yeah. minimal. I he thought it was minimal. Fighting. It was minimal. But again, as I mentioned with Josh Brolin, the way he delivered his lines were softer. Yeah. He didn't have that bitterness in his voice. Yeah, that's true. That you that's associate true. with Yondu. It was a much more softer, kinder, easygoing version of Yondu, which um, he still was, you know, a, a vicious, like, killer obviously he killed all those sakarans with without any second thought but um it was very different just uh, a lot like that hmm. so let's uh let's jump ahead uh so the, the story well, let's actually jump back to wakanda um because what t'chaka was saying to t'challa was nothing there's nothing good out there and that's why we should stay here. It's all bad out in the real world. And then me being a fan of music, I thought back to myself, okay, this is in 1988. What were the top hits in 1988? And there were so many hits. I mean, you have Faith and Father Figure by George Michael. You have So Emotional and other songs by Whitney Houston. You have the way you make me feel and several other songs by Michael Jackson. You have need you tonight by in excess, which is an amazing song, by the way, um, all of them are dead. Um, that is true. <laughs> in the past five years, that's pretty morbid, but then there's so many, there's a really great hit, but certainly not least is hit it gunner. Hit it, Gunner. Hit it. <laughs> Push the button. Yes. Rick Ashley had a number one hit in 1988. I felt like uh, Jason Lee. Now, Silent Bob. 
<laughs> no, Silent Bob! We covered this, buddy. <laughs> Leave this all in. We, I, we went on a break. You're going to edit out our break. And I told you, I will give you a cue to start the song. And I gave you a cue. It did and not, it did not work. It did not work as well as I thought it would. Well, that's what happens. This is why you need uh, paid interns, not unpaid interns. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm paid. Uh, co-hosts are, uh, and by paid, I pay. I don't pay him at all. <laughs> anyway. All right. So yes, go ahead. We're right. jumping back. So let's jump. Uh, jump ahead twenty years to two thousand eight. Uh, which the Guardians now? If you, now, if you think about it, Guardians actually took place twenty six years later. Uh, so that would actually be 2014. So we're actually six years before the events of Guardians, which again, why is Korath at Morag six years later? Like I, I, I've also started to think like, you know, how, how does it make sense? The event, you know, if the things make sense, if we're supposed to say, okay, this one thing has changed, how's everything else changed? And I think Peggy Carty did. Peggy Carter did more of this um, because less things actually change. Like you said, it just instead of Steve was Peggy Carter. Nothing else really changed in that storyline. Here, the whole galaxy changed. So I did find that interesting. But um, the Ravengers are at a bar drinking and Korath asks Star-Lord, which was his favorite mission? And he mentions a bank heist where they, quote, heard a scroll, which... They always found it good to hurt a scroll. He also talks about when he stopped Thanos, uh, which is when uh, he also asks about when he stopped Thanos, uh, which is when Thanos showed up and now he's a Ravenger and he comes in and explains that uh, T'Challa showed him that there's more than one way to reallocate the universe's resources uh, though Thanos thinks that his idea isn't without merit. So, Tom, uh, the running joke in this episode is that Thanos still thinks his idea was okay. And everyone says, dude, it's genocide. Tom, is it genocide? Is it okay? Does Thanos have a point here? Thanos has a point and he's wrong. Um, <laughs> I think that's kind of the, the summary of that. Yeah, people use too many resources. And they're not allocated well. Um, and he has a point, but there's also um, oh my god, what is Thanos' other daughter's name? Not Nebula. Gamora. Gamora. Why couldn't I think of that? Yeah. Okay. So Gamora tried to explain that. I think it was in in Infinity War when they were going after the Soul Stone. She was yelling at him. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. Uh, but he just, he was too far gone at that point, but he was introduced to, uh, he was introduced to Peter Quill, or not to Peter Quill, to T'Challa early enough. And T'Challa with his altruism, uh, was able to convince, convince Thanos otherwise. Like Thanos didn't get a chance to go down the, YouTube conspiracy theory rabbit hole to turn him into an extremist. 
Um, and he was able to basically save the universe um, and save Thanos from himself, essentially. That's true. That's true. All right, then we see Drax. And, uh, Actually, we he... have a couple more comments. Oh, please, go ahead. Before we, we, we talk about that. So, um, they have that appearance of that random Lady Ravager, which... Who doesn't make any other appearances? She gets a line, but she doesn't have any other appearances. I don't remember ever seeing a Lady Ravager in Guardians or anywhere else. And I just found that really odd. Like, okay, cool, she's going to be part of the the crew that goes on this heist, this adventure. But she's but not. No, she's not. She just shows. I th- they either put it in and then cut it out later, which is hard to do in animation because you have to plan this stuff out really far in advance and you can't really ad lib as you go along. Um, so I don't quite understand what they were doing there. It was very odd to me uh, that they didn't have, they didn't keep her around. Uh, that's one thing. Can you imagine how they made fun of the scrolls? I mean, if you think back, well, not think back, you just look at it differently. They were marginalizing an entire race of people and that is never cool so that wasn't really a great look either to me where they say okay you can make fun of scrolls because of whatever other reason but it's i don't know saying that it's okay to hurt a scroll is not to me a great look for um marvel to be honest so i didn't take that from it, I took that as scrolls were the bad guys that we were led to believe they were. I mean, let's be honest. If it wasn't for um, uh, what uh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. Talos. That Talos. Yeah. If it wasn't for Talos, we would still think that the scrolls were evil. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's just like. I th- I just think I mean, they're they're setting up secret probably... invasion. I just think they're going to take every pop shot because we've seen we've heard about these scroll wars before, war with the scrolls, and and even in the uh, the opening video of Loki, uh, the opening cartoon. Yeah, there was a scroll. Well, yeah, there's a scroll war with I believe Thanos's people. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Titan. Yeah. Um, so. Yes, I agree, but just like anyone else, uh, you can make that argument about anyone. No group of people is uh, perfect, and there's bad people and there's good people. So I I know what they're doing, but it kind of, I don't know, it it, uh, rubbed me a little the wrong way, and we don't need to talk that much more about that um, to bring down this entire... (laughs) <laughs> fun conversation into a uh, <laughs> socio-political um, discussion Can on I, race and culture. So, you know uh, when you you know when you're with an undercover cop and they to stop entrapment, you ask them, "Are you a cop?" and they have to right. answer you. Tom, are you a scroll? Because you have to answer it if I ask you. Yes. Yes, you are a scroll. Awesome. Yep. But I'm one of the uh, good ones. You're Talos's friend. You're 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 fat. A friend of Talos. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and fat too. Uh, 
and so one thing, like one of the big reveals that happened here uh, during that scene was, it's, you know, when Korath asked, how did he stop the Mad Titan Thanos? And then you see, because I didn't know this was going to happen, so it was very exciting to me, um, that you see a giant big purple arm like, go around Korath's shoulder, and then they go talking about how that he's big enough to admit when he's wrong, and so that is when you get your first kind of fun, real huge difference, other than, of course, uh, T'Challa being Star-Lord. You got Thanos not being the Thanos we knew in the live action. Uh, he's much softer. He's joking around with people. Um, and he's actually part of the crew, and he's not the leader of the crew. He's just part of the crew, which was, uh, which was fun. Um, and then you got to wonder, going back to T'Challa and the uh, altruism, nobility, and just being different, how did, you have to wonder, how did this young human boy convince this person on the verge of, not this person, it's like almost demigod, not quite as, you know, Loki says, tells him you'll never be a god, but He's like an eternal with a deviant gene. He is beyond human capabilities, right? How does this young human naive boy convince this guy otherwise? It's, I would like an entire, I don't know, maybe it's if they could do a short story or something where it's not animated, it's not anything like that. They just explain how we did it. What was T'Challa's argument? to change Thanos' mind. That is something very I'm very curious about letting one of their writers have at it and say, okay, come up with something for the true fan. I think that would be really fun. That's like a, a little digital goodie for uh, being a big fan. You so, think we'll see deleted scenes and stuff like that for these? No, because it's animation, right? It's uh, It has to be all... like. We've seen them for Clone Wars, search. though. We've seen animate animatics for deleted yeah. stuff from Clone Wars. I, yeah, I guess you're right. There might be. There might do be. you think they will do that? Uh, ga- was it gallery or whatever they do? Yeah, with- the Star Wars gallery. Because um, they yeah. they do that with Loki, or they have a name for it. I don't remember what it's called, but it's essentially that document docu series. Visions, Marvel Visions. No, oh, I, I forget what, what it's called. But there's a Star Wars vision, so they had to call it something oh. else. Yeah, no, the Star Wars one, the most recent one that just came out this past week about the Mandalorian. I don't know why it came out this late, but that was really good. It was much better than they did for season one, where they did kind of like those little episodes of directors all kind of stroking each other's egos. This was a lot more interesting, a lot more fun, engaging. Oh, I haven't watched it. I watched the first two of the first season of Mandalorian. I never had never went back to watch the rest of them. You, wait, oh yeah, no, this no, is no, like, not the show. The the okay. galleries or whatever. Yeah, forget forget the the galleries of the first season. Go in. There's only one episode. It's an hour long. It's really good. Okay, how you suggest it? Oh, sweet. I'll do that. And Gina Carano is like a star in that, which is weird to me. Because they must have put it together recently, and I don't know what's going on there. I, you know what though, I hear, I hear Disney is canceling uh, Suri's now. The actress that played Suri. Yeah. 
That sucks. Yeah. Because she was going to be the new Black Panther, I think. Well, we don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. But probably don't not. Know. She wasn't I... a strong enough actress to do that. She didn't have enough command of the uh, of the screen. She never really jumped out to me. Come on, when she goes, what are those? <laughs> I yeah, call no, them sneakers. Great. Yeah. No. It should be someone who is a more accomplished actress. You know who I'd like to see? The, uh, Okoye. She'd be right, great. Exactly. Love her. Exactly. Love her, love her in Walking Dead. Love her in this. Yeah. She would be best. She has a strong command of the screen, uh, where she, the actress plays Shuri does not. And spoiler um, alert, was awesome in her one line in this series, too. Right. We'll get to that later. Exactly. We'll get to that later. All right. Anything else before we move on to Drax? Yes. Thanos calls T'Challa commander, which is, again, he's just part of the crew, which you never would have thought. He he had the the Black Order, you know, bowing down to him, essentially, with Ebony Maw basically sucking on his toes uh, every chance he got. But now he just you know, goes and says, yeah, this dude, this human who I could literally crush in my hands, if I felt like it, yeah, he's my commander. Like I do what he tells me to do because I believe in him, I trust in him, etc. Do you so think I really want to know s- how that happens? Do you think we'll see that kind of? I mean, I doubt we're gonna see the quote unquote as Guardians of the Galaxy on any missions in Rag in Love and Thunder. But do you think that? Do you think Thor is their leader? And Quill's their captain, kind of like, like this, this. Yondu and T'Challa. Yeah, yeah. Or do you think that Quill still thinks him the leader, and Thor is just happy-go-lucky, chubby Thor? Yeah, I, I think what's going to happen in Love with Thunder is because again, timeline-wise, it's going to be like a wacky timeline thing that's going on there. But because Asgard doesn't exist anymore, like the the original Asgard. Well, they're at New Asgard. But are they going to be at you? Are they going back to Norway? Are they? I'm pretty like, sure. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, and, from what I know, it's based on the comic. And apparently, if it follows the storylines in the comic, Jane Foster has cancer. She grabs, she, she probably is going to see Thor. And she goes to New Asgard to say goodbye. This is my, I have no idea. I've never even right. read the comic. Full disclosure, never read the comic. But from what I've picked up on it, my my guess is she's going to say goodbye to Thor because she's dying of cancer. And while she's there, Mjolnir, because I, I have a feeling, because that's where Mjolnir was destroyed. So I have a feeling it's still laying in pieces because people can't pick it up. So my guess, she's going to go there and it's going to reform and yeah, go in her good hand. Point. It's yeah. going to reform, go in her hand, and that's how... It saves her life because I think that's what the comics about. Where when she becomes Thor, her cancer is gone. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think is going to happen. And so that's actually not bad. You got two good. You got two good theories today, Gunner. Congratulations, you met your quota. And uh, yeah, anything Let's else before we talk about Drax? Let's talk about Drax. By the way, that guy that did Drax was great because for a second I'm like, that sounds like Dave Batista. Nah. But then 
as he went on, kind of like Steve, uh, the more he talked, the more I realized it wasn't Batista. But uh, so he explains how Star-Lord saved his family from Ronan. um, And then Nebula showed up. And Tom, full disclosure, when Nebula first showed up, 100%, I thought it was Mystique. Yeah. Until she started talking and I realized it was Karen Gillan. I thought it was Mystique because she had the blonde, the blue skin and the blonde. Well, Mystique has red hair. I know, but there's, um, so for Marvel Puzzle Quest, I play Marvel Puzzle Quest. There is a, a, a Mystique version and she's wearing a blonde wig and she's got the blue skin. She's like in disguise. Uh, okay. Got and it. so for a split second, I thought it was Mystique with a blonde wig. Um, so what did you, what okay, did, going back to Drax for a second, there was another case of Drax himself. Even if, even if they would have gotten Dave Bautista, which there's some real controversy there as to why he didn't do the voice. Like he, he went on to say that he wanted to do it. And then the producers said, well, we reached out, but he never responded. So there's some controversy. Something's going on there. Well, at one point he wanted out when they fired James Gunn. Well, yeah, but then they, when they got James back and then he signed up to do Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special and he signed up to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So they obviously have his information. They should be able to contact him easily, either directly to him or through his agent or through James Gunn or through somebody. But he just wasn't responding because that's what they're saying and then he's going back and saying that they didn't reach out and so it's like i don't know what to believe there but going back to the actor who did who actually did the voice again this this version of drax was not the angry sad depressed drax that we got in guardians we got a happy just like drax is just a bartender working at this fancy nightclub and he's happy He's, he, his wife and daughter are alive and well, and he's happy. So it was a very different Drax experience. And my biggest complaint in Guardians 2 was that Drax was so uncharacteristic, I thought. That his character was so different in Guardians 2 compared to Guardians 1. I think it, it showed character growth, where he came to believe that the guardians now are his new family and he has people that care about him and that he cares about. Um, so that's but I felt like he was back to old Drax and in infinity war. I don't know the whole, that was so embarrassing. Like, I don't know. It just felt different, but there's yeah. another character that I, that I thought was completely different. The second time around and we'll get to him in a minute. He shows up later yeah. in this episode. So let's let's talk about Nebula. The note that I made about Nebula was then a charming, sexy, blonde-haired Nebula shows up to offer T'Challa and the crew a heist. And what I think I've kind of uh, held off using this um, during the, our conversation here, but I love that she calls him Cha-Cha. Yeah, yeah. I, that is, it's so cute and it's perfect. It's like, why don't other people call him Cha-Cha? Uh, but, and the way Karen Gillian delivers the lines is just, it's so good. 
I enjoyed that quite a bit. Now, your wife is a big Doctor Who fan. Wasn't Karen Gillian in Doctor Who? Yes. Yes, she was. And that's what she mentions every time she sees her on. <laughs> kind of annoying. but And that and how much she loves every time she sees Tom Hiddleston, she reminds me of how wonderful he is. So that's You guys are both Toms. Maybe. Uh... Yeah. yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's also funny that Nebula and Thanos um, they still don't have a great relationship. They go through the thing, the kind of that funny line of like, "Yeah, she's adopted," or "I'm adopted," that sort of thing. And I tried to get him in counseling. Right, that was fun. Um, but and and yeah, again, T'Challa or Chacha, he's trying to help he doesn't have to help but he's trying to help because he's friends with both of them and he wants the best for both of them. so i so have this very different. i have this later on in my notes but we could talk about it now why wasn't gamora in this i used to do you think that all this stopped him from taking gamora and if it did why didn't it stop him from taking nebula that I don't know. That's a good question. That's a when because they needed Nebula for the episode. Exactly. I think that's that could be the answer. Um, and Gamora, without getting the, I don't know. That's a very good question. And my other question that goes back all the way to Infinity War was Gamora and Nebula both part of the Black Order? Were they not part of the Black Order? Or are they different? Because if you think about it, Ebony Ma calls them children of Thanos. Right. And so does that make them, I mean, are the children of Thanos part of the Black Ma? It's, uh, Thanos did mention that that I'm no longer with them or something like that. Or we've had a, I've separated from them from the Black Order. So there was at one point he was part of the Black Order or he was with or they were with him. Or well they whatever. were his they were his right hand group. Right. And then they yeah, then to then T'Challa got to him and convinced him otherwise to leave and change his the way he conducts himself. So those are that's another good question that I don't have a good answer for. All right. Well, let's go on. Uh, T'Challa tells Nebula that Yandu tried to bring him back to Wakanda, but they'd been wiped out. And then she tells him about the job with the embers of Genesis that can save planets. Uh, we find out that the Collector is now the king of the underworld. First, Yandu's out, but then T'Challa talks him back into the heist. So this is where we get to the Black Order. We find out that they are now the Collector's security, which was awesome another way to just bring these great characters that honestly i don't didn't think they had enough screen time um i mean ebony ma had the most of anyone uh, and he was great um and still i don't think he had enough screen i agree Um, Uh, the note that i made there is i call this some super fertilizer and that i compared tanelier to vaughn uh, as the he's a sexy job of the hut of this galaxy. <laughs> he's a ripped so job of the hut. <laughs> exactly. So it's um, 
he's basically running the underworld of the galaxy, uh, where everything goes through him. He's the big mob boss now, which is quite a different, obviously, interpretation than the original time we saw uh, Tavon because he was still he was more just odd, just like a creepy dude who collects stuff, versus being a mob boss type of thing. And and my notes on this, I have this. I have the collector is uh, the collector's in this for the third time, voiced by Benicio del Toro. Right. And uh, is it just me, or does he sound completely different all three times? It drove me insane to the point where I'm like, I don't think that's Benicio del Toro in Infinity it did not War. Sound- he oh, sounded God. like he was playing a different character altogether. He didn't act like the the collector he didn't sound like the collector well the one in infinity war was a manifestation uh with thanos using the reality i I get that but do so you think those were purposeful choices by benicio to act differently i think so i would guess yes why not just save money and bring in a different actor because i don't even think he looked like the same. I just hate it. That was my least favorite. He was my least favorite part of Infinity War. I just, it didn't fit. Uh, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. And I thought, again, voiced by Benicio, I thought he sounded different. And obviously, this In was this intentional show, because yeah. now he's, as you said, the king of the underworld. Right. So. And you mentioned now that he has the Black Order. Uh, one of the funny things that I called out here i don't know about funny but it's more of an easter egg they started using heist music so basically <laughs> they were doing an ant-man where Ant- and they even used the music from like ant-man, whenever they start yeah. from ant-man to signify okay yeah now that was we're great in i love that i caught that and so that was fun but that's and that's not the only time they they use those previous music and we'll get to that later but music from another another movie to set the tone in this episode so they did a lot in this episode they just did so much and this like Um, the the easter eggs and these these last 10 minutes in this show you know we could talk about it t'challa's walking through the cages and we see a lot of the same easter eggs from the first one we see cosmo we see howard the duck we see a dark elf and mm -hmm. of course you know howard he does his when you're out of luck, always go duck. Right. Which is similar to the line he said in Guardians. You remember that with the line in Guardians 2? Right. Uh, I don't know exactly what he said. So, and then uh, as there's as he breaks Howard out to show him, Howard stops at the cantina bar from Star Wars. I'm sorry. That thing looked exactly like the bar in yeah. Hope. The, the cantina. No, absolutely. Yeah. Whoever the uh, the the animator was or the production designer was, yes, they did that on purpose. Yeah. So uh, more Easter eggs, more Easter eggs as uh, as the outside the Ravengers start fighting each other. Thanos is beating up Korath, and so security locks down the building. And as they lock it down, T'Challa escapes and makes his way through the garage. And there were tons of Easter eggs in this garage. You saw the Grandmaster's party vessel. You saw the mining pod from Guardians. You saw the Nova Corps ships. You saw that ship that Nebula took in Infinity War. 
I yep. think. Uh, did you catch any other ships in there? Uh, I don't remember all of them, but yeah, all the other ones that you said. Some people think the X-wing. There was a, yeah, that there was an X-wing. It looked like an X-wing, but eh. I don't. I don't know. I wanted it to be an X-wing, but I'm of like, course. Eh. people are going to see what they want, and it wouldn't surprise me that again the production designer did that on purpose because he can't or she can't. So just to mess with nerds like yes. us. So yeah, that was fun. But then we get to, and also the, uh, the Wakandan ship that we, yes, we then we get to. to the Wakandan ship. And this is where it became truly a tingly moment where what I mentioned is they had that music cue at the beginning of all this to mm-hmm. signify that this is a heist. Then once he, his necklace, which is made of vibranium and a little spears of ours or chunks of pointy vibranium those start glowing because he's getting he's close to other vibranium to Wakanda technology and then after that you you hear the Wakanda drum yeah that um Ludwig uh Gorenson designed and they used at various times in the Black Panther movie um to kind of transition from scene to scene or to signify to the to the watcher that okay pay attention here right you know just like this is important make sure you pay attention and that was actually pretty it was sad as he he goes in and not just listening to the um, the message from his father T'Chaka and him realizing that okay they are still alive they were Yandu lied to me and I, I get all that part but just thinking about, okay, how did this Wakandan ship get there? And you see... And what happened to the Dora Milaje that, right. that their what clothes the are Dora on Milaje? mannequins? Exactly. So you're just like, this is creepy. Hey, um, everyone else is alive. Like, all the people are all... And they're all in cages, like Howard the Dusk and the Dark Elf, and there's a bunch of other beings from around the galaxy that are all still alive. You think that was but, EO? Because she wasn't in the episode. Uh, I don't know who it was, but it, it made me kind of sad that they weren't kept alive. Um, and they just, yeah, they put, put their clothes on from dummies. And so it makes me wonder, how did he get that shit? Um, and also makes me think what the Wakandans was that advanced that they were exploring space, um, not just you know, on Earth. Do you think that they different. invented that technology to find uh, T'Challa? It could be. Yes, it could be. Um, that's, that's a good point that they could have done that. But I thought that's, that's the one time in the episode where you kind of just feel sad. It's meant at that point, for, to make you feel sad, and they did it. They made me feel sad. So when he, when you find out that uh, Wakanda was wiped out earlier in the episode, did you ever buy that or no? No, not really. I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Because it's like, uh, the Yandu told me, and then you think about Okay, I know this is a different Yondu, but it's still it's still Yondu. So in the back of your mind, it's like oh, I can't, I, I I don't know about this. And 
T'Challa had no reason not to trust him at that point. Yeah. So uh, we get to the the uh, the double cross as uh, we think that uh, we think that Nebula has double crossed. Uh, I almost called him Quill. A double cross crossed T'Challa, and then of course we find out that she triple crossed and uh, broke the ever broke the Ravengers out. Um, the collect- of his glaive. He keeps getting like stabbed and I know. And it's like, okay, if you're going to do it, like, do it to my face. But yeah, poor guy. He's always getting it in the back. And then Karina shoots Ebony Ma. <laughs> right, in the back. In the back. Uh, All these poor uh, poor guys Black are going Order. down. The Black Order. And uh, except for uh, Proxima Midnight, she just kind of went out on a, on a, a rail of plant or whatever. Right. Which I like hey, her. I, I wanted more. Time. I wanted more. I love Carrie Coon. I wanted more Proxima Midnight. Um, of course, we skipped over that the collector was originally going to put T'Challa in a cage and display him, but then he decided to just kill him. Um, and dissect him. And Yes, yes. Exactly what Yondu told him he was going to do. Yeah. And then uh, as T'Challa is escaping... This is my least favorite part of the episode, Tommy. Uh, Tavon comes back and he punches him wearing the hand of a, quote, terribly chatty Cronin. Tommy, oh, I know. Tommy, tell me didn't kill Korg because Korg is my favorite character in all of the MCU. Yeah, that's a, that's a bummer. But that's, that's what they want you to think is that that's what they're talking about is Korg. And that's sad. Poor Taika Waititi. I saw last night, uh, we saw Free Guy. Oh, you did watch that? love Taiko Atiti in everything he does. If you've never seen what we do in the shadows, it's fantastic. If you've never seen any of his movies, so good. And he was so good in that. And that video with Korg and Deadpool reviewing the the Free Guy trailer is great. And I want that fat Thor Lego set so bad with, cause it's got uh Korg in the Taika Waititi Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that made me sad, but, um, so he opens up his weapon case and we see Miramir in there. We see cap shield in there. Did you catch any other weapons in there? I, there were multiple things, um, like, um, uh, a blade made in dark matter. Yeah, that, they mentioned uh, that. Bond called that out specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember. I, 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 who did? Um, you know, one of the videos I watched, they went through and kind of zoomed in on all of them to say what each one of them were. I don't remember. I was off the top of my head. And then he puts on Hella's headgear. And how did he get that? That's <laughs> one of those. Okay, how did Hella come back? Yeah, like, so Odin must be dead in this universe, and Hela had come back, and did Ragnarok happen? So it's like, how did they get? How did he get that helmet? Yeah, and so I, so the helmet is what gives Hela the ability to make knives. I guess that is what we were to infer. I did. I thought you, it was just her magic. I thought it was that. just her magic, also. But maybe they're saying, yeah, it's a combination of 
Because, because can't Loki Loki can make knives too, right? I don't know if he makes them or he hides them. He uses his magic to hide the knives that he has. I think that's more the case, where he's not manifesting them. Whereas, whereas Hella actually like she's pulling things like and a lot of them, not just a few. That's how she destroyed basically the entire uh, entire Asgardian army. Because and the she Warriors just kept, like, Four, or whatever. Warriors Three, three. where she just kept like. Well, it's Lady Sif and the Warriors 3, which is technically the Warriors 4. Yeah. But Sif was off-world. Apparently, she's coming back, I I hear. I hear that rumor. Well, yeah, they got to have that that love triangle thing going. Um, Her and Korg? I'm I'm rooting for her and Korg, though. (laughs) Her and Korg? No, Meek would be better. (laughs) I think Meek's a female, actually. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, still, why not? Go for it, girls. All right, so then Nebula saves them. They escape. Yondu and T'Challa defeat Tavon by doing the whole sticky finger and putting them in a cage. Then Karina lets all the specimens out of their cages. They take the Wakandan ship, which now has Cosmo in it. Awesome. And they all go back to Wakanda. So do we, is there anything we have to say about this except to point out when they ask Thanos, is he crazy? He can't fight him. And he goes, no, but I'm mad. <laughs> like the mad Titan. Right. Is there anything else? Exactly. We kind of glossed over this big, this big scene. But is there anything else about this scene? We'll talk about? Uh, I mean, you mean the final scene in the banquet hall? No, before the banquet hall. The final oh. leaving. Uh, no, because no, it was very... Yeah. Like you knew they were going to escape, and uh, yeah, uh, me too. Even in my notes, I kind of went quickly through that because at that point they kind of covered all the plot points. And okay, this is the uh, this is the climax, and now we're going to go to the epilogue um, of them being. Yeah, they went back to Wakanda, um, and they had a couple like fun one-liners. Um, it didn't the weird thing is it's just like if I was T'Chaka I don't care if I'm king and I'm supposed to be all noble and stuff like how are you not running over and hugging and blubbering like a fool hugging your son who's been missing for 20 years that part is not believable whoever wrote that is not a parent because or the mom was it? Oh or yeah, his mom. neither of exactly, exactly. It's just like there's if you were a parent and you wrote that, they would have come running and being like, you know, screw whatever decorum that we should have. Our son is back. Um, so yeah, that that's one thing that they should have done different. But otherwise, there's a lot of like funny one-liners, like you mentioned, Okoye. My favorite uh, part. Asana. She still thinks that's such a genocide. genocide. <laughs> yeah, but it's efficient. Uh, and I love that uh, Cosmo seemed to love Thanos. He was licking right. Thanos' face. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was all good. And uh, Anything it, on the Peter Quill Dairy Queen scene at the end? The, I guess the closest thing we're getting to a post credit scene. Yeah, exactly. It's um, The fun part is like, Peter's life did not get much better. He's working on a night shift at a dairy queen. He's a 
he's the same age approximately as T'Challa, so he's probably in his early 30s now, because 20 years, he was maybe 10 to 12 years old when... And he's not he even working at Baskin Robbins. I mean, that's the right. that's the show. <laughs> if we learned anything from Ant Man, and it's it's yeah, you kind of feel sad for him. It's like, but he seems pretty happy. He's listening to his his music. Flock of seagulls, I believe. Right, and then Ego shows up, and they did a really good job of drawing Ego with his hair and all that, and it's with Kurt Russell and his one line. And it was, it was great. So how um, do you think that, how do you think this timeline moves forward? I mean, I doubt we'll see it. It'll be nice right. if we did. I would like that. I would like movies on all of these. I want more for both of these. I want to see where they go, but we're not. Yeah, that's do the that. thing. It's, I don't know. Are they going to mix that into other? Cause again, you're going to have, crisscrossing timelines, timelines looking back on themselves, but it's like Ego's plan is coming to fruition now where he's going to become like, essentially the strongest being in the galaxy. At least that's his I mean, he was a celestial uh, or he is a celestial and now he's the reason why he was going around to all these planets and impregnating all these other, you know, all these other species was so he could find a source of continual power and they combine their powers so they become even stronger and now you have Peter Quill who is living a life of okay he's in the middle of a small town in Missouri working the late shift at a dairy queen he'd be like hell yeah let's go I'm out of here like, yeah. this is crazy but yeah let's let's get out of here I don't want to live this life anymore and didn't they eventually the say galaxy. didn't Awatu say that this was the end of the world essentially Right, exactly. Um, but whose world? Remember, is it the yeah. end of the universe? Is it the end of the, the galaxy? Is it what is it the end of? Yeah. Um, so you gotta you gotta remember there are billions of galaxies that make up the universe, and each one of those galaxies has billions of stars, which uh, also has you know billions of planets. And of those, you know, there's billions that are habitable. So how does that all work? It's like just thinking about that kind of makes your head spin because there's there's so much. Um, and what is the impact? Is it someone like Ego, what is his domain? What can he see? Or like the Celestials, did they build the, the, the universe? Or did they hold dominion over the entire universe? Or just the one galaxy where this is all taking place. Uh, and then of course, which timeline are they in? It's all right. And I, I don't think like the stuff that's happening with Peggy is in the same timeline as what's no, happening with so T'Challa. Those are just two separate things. And are things going to cross over? Maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I think my prediction is Dr. Strange is going to hop multiverses and put together an Avengers crew with Peggy Carter and Star-Lord T'Challa and whoever else we meet, and that will somehow culminate in the last episode. My predictions, I don't know this for a fact. I know that we've seen a clip in a trailer that had Peggy Carter talking to um, 
talking Doctor to Strange. Doctor Strange. And I know there's a scene where it's like that Avengers scene, scene but it's like, it's not it, like one of them was T'Challa Star-Lord in there. I don't, I don't remember. You mean the one where they're all standing back yeah, to back? And, and they're kind of spinning, them. the camera spinning, yeah. So that's my guess how, what they will do is I think Doctor Strange will bring all the Avengers together, maybe in that last thing with Ultron vision. But maybe cool. Yeah. And last but not least, this episode was dedicated to our friend, our inspiration and our hero, Chadwick Boseman. And, uh, that, that got me teary, teary eyed. Um, yeah, I, the last thing he did yeah. was this. And I saw, did you watch mama Rainey? Um, what's it called? bottom i think it was called oh no 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 i didn't see that uh i suggest you watch it it's very good i mean Both i have loved Olivia him davis are amazing in it um i've loved and- him in every movie i've seen him in even yeah. the uh uh you know he was great in draft day i don't know if you've ever seen draft day he was amazing in draft day of course uh 42 was a great movie <laughs> He's great yeah. in these, you know. I I even like that one he did with the Russo brothers, um, which I really. Bridges. I have not Bridges. Seen that I one. had no desire to watch it, and one day Aiden and I just watched it, and I'm like, "This is a really good movie," and it's not really my type of movie. So I blame Chadwick Boseman uh, for being <laughs> awesome, and for he's like, good. and he's like the king of the uh, of the. Uh, the biopic because he was James Brown. He was, uh, right. he was, uh, uh, Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson. And this other, like this Ma Rainey's black bottom. Um, that's all on real characters. So the, the entire scene takes place like in a day, but it is like the characters were real characters, uh, from that time. Uh, telling this particular story almost like a biopic but like a one day of a biopic so yeah he did the same thing there he was Thurgood Marshall also yeah so yeah it's sad uh, it's sad to see talented people that bring you joy and entertainment go um, but and someone that did so much for for the people that he cared the most about you know his fans he was a great ambassador, you know? Right. Yeah, that too. Uh, I mean, being I really the tra- first black superhero to star in a movie, um, you know? Yeah, I'm wondering if Simu Liu is going to have that same impact. I don't know. He's too young and is a very different type of person. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying good or bad is very different. Maybe he'll have that same impact in the Asian community uh, with Shen Chi, but I don't know if he's going to have the same impact that Chadwick Boseman had. And I think uh, it's just that they're so different. Like to me, that, and maybe this is my ignorance, and I'm not meaning to offend anyone by my comments, but to me, that seems like an amazing martial arts film. You know, it looks like everything that's great about the great martial arts films of all time kind of rolled into one. Whereas, you know, black Panther was is, was a superhero movie. 
Um, uh, we'll see though. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, yes, it's supposed to be because that's his character. That Shang Chi was uh, created to be like, okay, Bruce Lee's popular. Let's have a a person of Chinese descent, whether they're an Chinese, Asian Chinese, Iron or, Fist. Is that what you're trying to say? Right, um, because of the popularity of the sleep. And so they came up with uh, this Shang-Chi. And it is going to be different. I think it's going to be um, fantastic, though. I think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. The, uh, at a bare minimum, it's going to be the, uh, the fight scenes will be really good really well choreographed yeah yeah because uh, even just the ones that they showed us then they're not going to show you well <laughs> you hope that like there are some movies where they show you all the best parts of the trailer just to get you come to see the movie then you get to the movie and it's like i think we're gonna have so many cameos that we're not expecting i mean they've given us abomination and wong i can't wait right. to see what they didn't give us yet right exactly they didn't have to do that that was just a tease and you know that's not going to be the only time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no chance. And then there's a there's a theory out there that uh, we'll see Iron Fist, not the Iron Fist from Netflix, but right. the title of Iron Fist, which is which will be cool. Yeah, maybe. Um, never actually watched the series. Oh, I love I it. I, everyone hated it, but me, I really liked Iron Fist. Did you? <laughs> and I think it's because I love the girl that was in it, the one that was in Star Wars. I mean, uh, yeah. Did we talk about this last week? I, think. I don't think so. Oh, it must have been someone else. So. Anyway, that is episode two of What If? And Tom, we took a 30-minute episode and talked about it for an hour and a half. So good for us. I mean, that's what we do, right? Exactly. So any final thoughts on this episode? Um, what I learned is that I need to like the day of because I don't get to watch them till nighttime um, or maybe I'll try to watch it during lunch or something because the Thanos reveal was sort of spoiled for me because I saw a, a picture of animated Thanos sitting at a bar um, that somebody posted on my Twitter feed and it didn't completely ruin it for me. I'm like, oh wait, Thanos is gonna show up in this. That's what I it felt about took- Mandalorian. Like I didn't, I didn't wake up at two in the morning to watch Mandalorian until the end of the second season, and I felt so many times like stuff was spoiled for me. Like I literally stayed off of social media until I get a chance to watch it. But for uh, WandaVision, uh, I would wake up. I started waking up at you know, like four in the morning and then just watching it and then going to work by the time, by the end, by like the third episode, I was getting up at two in the morning to watch it. And I did that for all of that. And I did that for all of Falcon and winter soldier. In fact, uh, for the Falcon and winter soldier season premiere, I was going to Oregon and I woke up at two in the morning watched the episode and was going to record a podcast on it right after we watched it. And my co-host fellas didn't wake up in time to watch it. 
And I'm sitting sitting there. My wife is furious because we're like, we're we have a five o'clock flight, and you're sitting downstairs messing around with your podcast stuff. Right. What? Um, no, I, I I get where she's coming from. That's a little crazy, Gunner, uh, to be honest. But we didn't <laughs> record, and we got out of there on time. Right. Um, but it's just yeah. I want to avoid spoilers. I liked it when. They were on Friday. I, I hate Wednesday. I hate the Wednesday. I, I don't like Wednesday because at least for my work schedule, I used to be able to like go first thing in the morning, like sit down at my desk, eight o'clock in the morning, and then watch the show because that's before I even start touch my phone or anything like that. So no spoilers. But waiting until Wednesday night, and I get also just like news pop-ups on my phone, notifications, and yeah, things just get spoiled. Because people can't contain themselves, so I, I do not like the the Wednesdays. Um, and the fact that they don't have any more Star Wars content, it's like, yeah, okay, push Marvel to Fridays, put Star Wars on Wednesdays or something for now. Anyway, that's yeah. just that's just a lesson. Stay off of the internet until you get to watch the show. Yes, so it's yes. not ruined for you. So yeah, I feel like I know too much already, Tommy. So yeah. All right, right, guys. Well, we love you. Thank you, Tom, for joining us. Before we go, Gunner. Yeah. Hit it. Oh, oh, hit it. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. (laughs) There we go. Tom, Tommy, two things for you. Actually, I got several things for you. One, always go for the head. Never gonna let you die, and I'm never gonna say goodbye. I'm never gonna tell a lie. And I hope I never hurt you. Hi, kids, love you. See you next week. Peace. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye.